SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Our number two on the morning after on Sports Grid. You're listening on Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. This hour, we'll show you how the market's moving in the futures market in the NBA after free agency. Also, NFL talk, mid-major Mac, and a breakdown some Major League Baseball. I got to get to the NBA first. We were going to break down the Olympics because the women's basketball team played overnight. First, there's breaking news. A Woj bomb has just dropped in New York. You may or may not be happy about it. Four-time All-Star Kemba Walker has agreed to a contract buyout with the Oklahoma City Thunder and plans to sign with the New York Knicks. The Knicks were looking for somebody. They needed a veteran. They wanted someone in free agency. And now it might be a point guard, Kemba Walker. Ben, thoughts? I mean, Coach James Young just talked about the Knicks needing an upgrade at that point guard position, and he highlighted the idea that it could be Reggie Jackson coming over from the Clippers to the Knicks. Now they get Kemba Walker. And now that's a little bit interesting where Kemba stands in recent years. A little bit disappointing at times with the Boston Celtics. I know that they did not feel super strongly about letting him go. I know he didn't really see eye to eye with Brad Stevens. That was some of the reports. But Kemba can still get it done, in my opinion, at the point guard position. And of course, if you think Kemba Walker at the Mecca, you think about what he did with the UConn Huskies back in the Big East tournament. He loves to play on that stage back in New York. I think he might even be a New York native. So the idea you get Kemba Walker back here for his dream homecoming scenario, maybe it's just good vibes all around. And you add Kemba to the crew with the New York Knicks back in the Big Apple, it could be a wonderful addition when all is said and done. Four-time All-Star, Nick's still 100-1 to to win the NBA Finals. I'm curious if the odds will move once FanDuel gets news and confirmation of all of this. The Knicks did have the line move to about 70-1 to in their favor when they signed Evan Fournier and Derrick Rose. Now they move back to 100-1. to We'll see how this might impact the futures market. Maybe in market movers, we'll have an update because we are going to talk about those NBA Finals odds after free agency picked up. Let's move into the Olympics. Overnight, the women's basketball team did go uh, on the floor, and the women's team ends up beating Australia 79-55. They covered the spread, too. USA was minus 15.5. They also won by 24. And the total of 160.5 goes under, hitting at 134. The U.S. Hat was led by Brianna Stewart with 23 points. They go on a 17-0 run in the first quarter and help secure their 53rd consecutive Olympic win, Ben. A huge performance from Stewie, who, as we talk about Syracuse all day long today, is a Syracuse native. Obviously played her college basketball at UConn, leads the WNBA in minutes played this year. She has won an NBA Finals trophy, and now she is trying to lead Team USA to a gold medal. Team USA covering that lofty 15.5 point spread, which is notable, Ariel, because through a lot of this Olympic tournament so far, Team USA was winning, but not necessarily blowing people out. And prior to the tournament, Team USA women's basketball was a minus 10.50 favorite 
to claim the gold medal in Tokyo, entering yesterday's game or overnight game, whatever you want to really call it, they, against Australia, they were minus 500. So a huge win there. Also notice the total. It was somewhere around 169, I believe you had it at, 169 and a half as I scroll up, 160 and a half, and it finishes far below that with a final score of 79 to 55. So if you're looking ahead to Team USA women's basketball in their next contest coming up, maybe think about that total as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here to the second hour of the morning after recapping Team USA women's basketball. I am Ben Stevens. She is Ariel Epstein. You are listening on Sirius XM Channel 204, the mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. Team USA women's basketball, Ariel, one step closer to a gold medal Team USA men's basketball in action overnight against also Australia in the semifinals for a berth in the gold medal game on the line. I would really hope Team USA goes up against Luka Doncic for the men's. But as for the women's, they get Serbia up next in the semifinals. That game's going to be Friday at 12.30 a.m. here on the East Coast. Against Serbia, USA, minus 16 and a half. The total drops by about three points from last game. It goes down to 157 and a half. Here's a look at the updates, too. For the most gold medals, China, leading into yesterday, is the leader. They're the favorites at minus 290. They have 32 gold medals leading the way currently. Team USA has the second best odds going into yesterday's round at 2-1 to one to have the most gold medals. They're currently at 25. Then Japan has the third best odds at 100-1. to one. They have 20. A huge lead for China when it comes to the gold. Yet for overall medals, which you cannot bet on anymore, USA does lead in total medal count with 77. China at 70. Great Britain far behind at 48, Ben. I don't love that, if I'm being honest. I really thought Team USA would lead in gold medals, but a couple of disappointing performances in gymnastics, maybe in some swimming action, track and field not going our way. We had the favorite entering the 100-meter dash in the men's 100-meter dash, but maybe some more gold medals coming in the rest of track and field. Watch out for that 200-meter final, which I believe is tonight, or at least will air tonight, in Tokyo, that could be a lot of fun. A couple of young USA Team Americans running in that 200-meter men's final for the sprints there could be some more gold on the horizon for Team USA. I was watching some of track and field yesterday. These USA track stars are insane. They are, I mean, there's been records broken. And there's still a lot more to do. Maybe USA can catch up, gain some ground. But China minus 290, pretty heavy favorites, currently up 32 to 25 on gold medals against Team USA. We'll keep you updated on the men's team tomorrow and how they do. I know these games are super late at night. Also, congratulations again to Simone Biles cashing in on bronze on the balance beam. She said that bronze actually meant more to her than any of her gold. Coming up next, we're going to talk NFL. There is some updates some injury updates, some quarterback updates. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
back on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM Channel 204. He's Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Some NFL updates. First, I was going to talk about the fight that happened at Giants camp, but I'm going to start with the early, the best news of the or actually the good news of the day for Giants fans, maybe-ish. The early word on the wide receiver Kenny Galladay's hamstring is that it's not considered a significant injury. He'll undergo more tests, and hamstring injuries are notoriously tricky, but preliminary indications are positive. If you don't know what I'm talking about, a day or two ago, Kenny Galladay was limping off the field on Giants camp, and he was grabbing his leg. It's a hamstring injury. He's been dealing with those, and that's what concerns me because he's had lingering hamstring issues. Galladay's going to be the key to success. I looked to the Giants like the Bills last year. The Bills got their number one wide receiver in Stephon Diggs. It helped to progress Josh Allen's career at quarterback. Same thing could be said for Daniel Jones with Kenny Galladay coming in. This could be what Jones needs to get to the next level of his career. It's only year two as a starter for him in full season. However, without Kenny Galladay, Ben, I'd be concerned for the Giants. I would be too, but what I am not concerned by overall is the fight. That happened yesterday at practice for the New York Giants. Apparently, a full team brawl where Daniel Jones himself, the starting franchise quarterback, was on the bottom of the pile. And it made Joe Judge, the head coach of the New York Giants, so stinking mad. He had everybody running 100-yard sprints and doing up-downs like it's a high school practice during two-a-days in the hot month of August. It was that bad, and Joe Judge was that irate at practice yesterday. But I personally love it. I personally love this idea that the boys are getting a little bit fired up as they are in the midst now of training camp. And it made Joe Judge that mad that he was making them run up-downs like it's Herb Brooks during Miracle with his whistle. Again, I loved every part of it. And what I loved even more, Ariel Epstein, is that the FanDuel Sportsbook agreed with me and their assessment that this is a good thing overall for the New York Giants because their odds to win the NFC East got shorter yesterday from plus 440 to plus 390. So FanDuel also in favor of the idea that a little bit of a brawl during training camp can actually increase team chemistry and make those New York Giants a little bit stronger. Their odds getting shorter. I'm all for it. This all started because the tight end Evan Ingram retaliated after a late hit to the running back Corey Clement. Then the safety Logan Mm. Ryan came out and that's when the whole brawl started. We've been telling you about the NFC East for a while. First off, the odds started in the East with the Washington football team at the longest odds around 5-1. to Those odds within about three days of being released quickly shifted to the Washington football team being the second best odds behind the Dallas Cowboys in the 2-1 to range. The Giants have been plus 440 for a few months now. Ben and I continue to tell you that the Giants are the dark horse here. They have one of the best defenses in the league. Granted, Washington's is better. I could see the Giants being more well-rounded. If Daniel Jones could take the step up with a wide receiver like Galladay, I could see the Giants' offense surpassing Washington, which is what would make the Giants a lot more intriguing in the futures market. We'll continue to monitor the situation at Giants camp. I'd assume no one wants to run sprints again, so maybe they won't start any more fights. There was another update for the Texans. The Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson was not seen at practice because he did have a foot or ankle injury. And now the update from Fields Yates of ESPN said that the Texans head coach David Culley in his press conference when asked about Deshaun Watson's absence from practice, he said, quote, we make decisions every day based on what's best for our football team. Didn't elaborate further on the matter, quote, nothing new today on that now a lot of speculation was surrounding Deshaun Watson not being at camp then it was said he was being treated by doctors and the 
training staff regarding that foot and ankle injury, and now the head coach saying we're making decisions that are better for the team. Ben, where where does your brain go when you see, ooh, Texans, no Watson, even though he was showing up, trying not to get fined? Uh, this doesn't look good. It does not look good. It's one of the most strange, awkward situations across the NFL that I can remember it going into training camp because not only is Deshaun Watson dealing with those legal issues off the field, he is not on the exempt list right now. It is waiting to be played out in the courts based on litigation, based on any kind of debriefs they will need to have. But you also have a Deshaun Watson who is not happy to be in Houston and will need and has demanded a trade and the Texans now listening to it. So very awkward. And that answer from David Culley just makes things seem even that much more awkward. And are you ready for this movement? Because it's pretty substantial in the futures Uh-oh. market. When you look at the Texans team win total, it was at four. It went from minus 170 juice to the over to minus 165. So Deshaun Watson not being there yesterday. Tons of movement based on that in the futures market, Ariel. Something to keep an eye on if you want to take the over of the team win total. Another place to keep an eye on when it comes to the futures market is in the AFC South. The Houston, or excuse me, the Houston Texans are in the AFC South. However, we're not going to talk about a team that has a win total of a four. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans were two teams that were flipping kind of back and forth in the odds as to who's going to have the best odds to win the division. It was the Indianapolis Colts around plus 110. Now it's the Tennessee Titans at minus 130. Granted, this has to do with the Colts' quarterback injury to Carson Wentz, who's out for 5 to 12 weeks. Who knows how long that is. Yet now there's another injury to the Colts. Yesterday it was reported that Quentin Nelson, who's the guard, the Pro Bowl guard for the Colts, is also going to be out that weird 5 to 12 week window because he has a bone issue in his foot. Also will be getting surgery, Nelson. After after practice yesterday, the head coach of the Colts, Frank Reich, says they can't victimize themselves. This is football, right? It's hard. So um, you still you got to make it work. Yeah, we got Ryan out. We got Eric Fisher out. You know, we got Quentin out. We got Carson out. Um, nobody's. And that's the way it is for everybody. You know, everybody's always dealing with something. Right now, we got a bunch of them, a slew of them, at key positions. But I think it's a great opportunity for for our. It's a great opportunity for certain players. Ben, when you see the head coach of a team like Frank Reich speaking out about all these injuries even before the season begins, where does this make you want to look in the futures market regarding the Colts? It doesn't merely make me want to look at the Colts, to be honest, because we have seen so much odds movement on them in the past 48 hours. They went from the favorites to win the AFC South at plus 110 in front of the Tennessee Titans, who were plus 115. Well, now the Titans are minus 130 as the odds on favorite. The Colts, even after the Carson Wentz injury, getting longer by the day at plus 180. Their team win total has dropped by a full game in the past 48 hours as well. It went from nine and a half, the overjuice to minus 150 now to eight and a half the over at minus 120 so we're seeing tons of movement there and it makes sense because one of the staples of this Colts offense is that offensive line that pro football focus PFF ranked the second best offensive line entering this season and when you have Quinton Nelson who is one of the only players in NFL history one of a very short list to be a three-time all-pro offensive lineman in his first three years in the NFL one of the best O-linemen in all of the National Football League and now he's out with the same injury that's going to sideline Carson Wentz for a foreseeable amount of time 
pretty difficult stuff right now for the Indianapolis Colts. So if I'm looking anywhere, maybe I look to the Tennessee Titans and other areas to fade the Colts because right now I don't love the idea of backing the Colts in the futures market. Eight and a half makes their team win total a little bit more enticing because they have enough talent to get to nine wins. I even believe with Carson Wentz is not there for the first four to six weeks, but I'm probably looking in other areas in the AFC South to fade the Indianapolis Colts. We talked about the movement for the Tennessee Titans, now minus 130. The Jags have stayed the same at plus 700. Don't touch the Jags. And the Texans even have their odds becoming a little bit shorter to win that division at plus 2100, which came up from plus 2700. But I'm not really looking to back the Texans or the Jags in anything. I would maybe look to the Titans and an alternate team win total. That's where I think you find value right now. I also continue to look at weeks one and two. Those odds have been up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. The line already flipped for Seattle and Indianapolis. The Seattle Seahawks going into Indy were at at plus two. Now they're at minus two, minus three on FanDuel. I actually think it's a minus three now. So the Colts end up getting flipped from favorites to dogs at home. Also, you could target the week two odds. The Los Angeles Rams are in the mix as well as that week two game against the Colts. Two really tough teams to play for Indianapolis if they don't have a quarterback set in place. Coming up next, we're going to talk the NBA futures market. The futures market for the NBA finals is on the move. We're going to go to Market Movers and tell you how those lines have moved over the last few days and where you could still find the value. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Don't forget to follow us on social media for Sports Grid. We're on your TV, we're on your radio, and your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow at Sports Grid and Sports Grid TV to stay on the grid everywhere you go. We do have a lot more to get to here on the show. We have about an hour and a half left. We've got you covered till noon Eastern time, and we're going to go see how the futures market's moving. It's time for Market Movers. NBA free agency has moved the marketplace in the futures market on the NBA finals. We mentioned it a little bit before about how the Nets and the Lakers are much closer now. Our coach here at the network, James Young, said that he even thinks the Lakers should be favored over the Nets. The Nets still the favorites. They're at plus 220. Those odds moved from plus 195 to plus 220 for the Nets to win the finals. The Lakers had the lines move in their favor a lot. 6-1 6-1 to one, it moves to plus 370. The Miami Heat, they move from 35-1 to one to 16-1. to one. Golden State, 13-1 to one to 11-1. to one. Denver, 24-1 to one to 17-1. to one. The Knicks, they went from 100-1 to one to 90-1, to one, but they're back to 100-1 to one now. The Pelicans, 85-1 to one to 48-1. to one. Ben, which of these names stands out to you? 
the Miami Heat because of all the moves that they made in free agency to acquire Kyle Lowry to pay their stars and Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson, the podcaster, so much money. They are now moving up the board, the third shortest odds now in the Eastern Conference, moving from 35 to 1 to 16 to 1, only behind the Milwaukee Bucks and the Brooklyn Nets. So I think Miami, who made it to the NBA championship in the bubble just two years ago, now has a shot to be a true contender in the Eastern Conference. And to think about teams that they move past at the moment, the Philadelphia 76ers, the Boston Celtics, the Atlanta Hawks, to be a real feature in the Eastern Conference, I think Miami is making those moves. Coach James Young said they have about a two-year window here with how much they paid Jimmy in that max contract and the fact that Kyle Lowry is getting up there a little bit. They have a team to be able to compete for that Eastern Conference title. They have a shorter window to do that. But in the futures market and all the odds movement that we have seen, that is where my eye goes. Slashing their odds in half from 35 to 1 to 16 to 1. Now the third shortest in the Eastern Conference. Miami, who was the eighth seed this past year, or maybe the seventh seed. What were the Bucks? The one or I, what doesn't matter. Anyway, the Miami Heat moving forward this upcoming year for 2021-22. That's what I think of, and that's where my eye focuses on when you look at the futures odds movement market. Miami has always been the team that even though two years ago they ended up making it to the NBA Finals and losing to the Lakers, Miami continued to be underbooked by the odds makers. Miami all the way had value pretty much until the Eastern Conference Finals. Miami was booked as a dog and they continued to get long odds. Uh, 16 to 1 is still pretty good value. 35 to 1 moving to 16 to 1 after getting Kyle Lowry as your point guard is a pretty big deal uh, when it moves the futures market that much. Another team that moved the futures market a lot is the Chicago Bulls. They're not on this list. Yeah. Yet the Bulls moved from 120 to 1 to 70 to 1 on FanDuel. They end up getting Lonzo Ball at point guard. They have their guard Alex Caruso and most recently the forward DeMar DeRozan. Ben, we spoke about this in the first hour of our show with DeMar DeRozan going over in the last 24 hours as the third Chicago. Chicago uh, ad in addition to having Zach Levine how much do you believe that the Bulls are a playoff team and at 70 to 1 are booked at the right price I think they are booked at the right price because 70 to 1 right now is the seventh shortest odds the seventh best odds in the Eastern Conference and that's where I would place the Bulls right now maybe in that seven seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs if we're thinking about how seeding would work in the postseason I agree with coach James Young I don't necessarily know the Bulls are a surefire playoff team I would think they would make the playoffs and they might be in that six to eight seeded range but I don't think they're necessarily better than that because you look at this team right now on paper and Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball are going to be a great pairing together DeMar DeRozan certainly adds another layer of scoring but the thing about DeMar DeRozan is he's not great on the defensive side of the ball he needs to take a lot of shots which means he's not the most efficient and when you talk about a speed and space type idea he is not a good career three-point shooter so I'm not exactly sure what DeMar DeRozan truly adds to this team and making them an Eastern Conference title contender does he make them better yes when you look on paper are they better right now than they were at the end of last year certainly so are they going to be a team that you would find value in at 70 to 1 right now in the futures market I'm not entirely sure. They have some names on this roster that are very, very enticing. And you add in a guy like Nikola Vucevic. This is a team that is now built for this year to win and to try to do it as quickly as possible to keep Zach Levine in Chicago, to have Lonzo develop, to have some of that younger core with Alex Caruso and Patrick Williams as well, and then maybe to get a couple more free agents in the off seasons to come. But right now, as they stand at plus 7,000, 
on the FanDuel Sportsbook, I think that's a fair and accurate price. So I don't think there's tons of value on the Bulls in the futures market as it pertains to the NBA championship right now. When it opens up, the make-miss playoff odds for the Chicago Bulls are going to be fascinating. If I'm a betting man, and I am, as we are here on this show the morning after, I would think that the yes is probably minus money, but not minus money by much. Maybe minus 118, minus 125 for Chicago to make the playoffs. I think it's going to be a very interesting number to see by the time FanDuel releases it. A team I feel we're not talking enough about is the Denver Nuggets. Their odds moved from 24 to 1 to 17 to 1 on FanDuel. They didn't have Jamal Murray for this entire playoff run due to a season-ending injury. Nikola Jokic was basically, I mean, he was the MVP of the league. He was ridiculous all season, averaging uh, double-doubles, having all these triple-doubles. Jokic was incredible for Denver, but he didn't have his piece next to him in Jamal Murray. Now you have all these other pieces that have stepped up on Denver who were able to help Denver make a playoff push. Just thinking about what Denver could have done without what they did without Jamal Murray, thinking what they could have done with Jamal Murray, the Nuggets didn't have to make much of a change because the odds moved without them having to do much. What else could you see, Ben, the Nuggets doing in the offseason, if anything, to help their chances at winning an NBA Finals? And they brought back a lot of the reserve players that were a huge part of that team that made it to the Western Conference playoffs, a team that would have been much better had Jamal Murray obviously been able to stay healthy and be there for that team in the postseason. The way that he suffered that knee injury so late in the year as the Nuggets were battling for positioning in the Western Conference was so, so gutting for this team, and yet they still were able to make it to the Western Conference semifinals. Sure, they got swept by the Suns, but I think if Jamal Murray is there, it might be the Nuggets that prevail out of that uh, Western Conference semifinals and into the conference finals. And I love this Nuggets team. I thought they had the most value on the board when this market immediately opened at 24 to 1. I still think there is value on them right now when you look at what Denver presents back this year. And they made smart moves now in free agency to bring back guys like Austin Rivers and Jermichael Green and Will Barton to add to that backcourt depth. I thought the first round draft pick they had in this past week's NBA draft to bring in Bones Highland out of VCU I thought was also great to add some of that bench depth. And obviously you're getting back a healthy Jamal Murray, the MVP Nikola Jokic, and Michael Porter Jr. continues to take leaps and strides in what he is able to contribute in the NBA. To be that third option, this is really trending like a young big three for the Denver Nuggets. So I think they have great value still. I love the price at plus 2,400. I'm a huge believer in what Denver has for this upcoming year in 2021-22. And when you look at the Western Conference, Ariel, I think it is intriguing to see these odds right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook because you have the dubs, the Warriors also making their odds shorter with the extension of Steph Curry with some of the moves they made in the draft. Now, the third or second shortest odds, I should say, in the Western Conference at plus 1,100, that moved from plus 1,300 to plus 1,100, 13 to 1 to 11 to 1. And at that 13 to 1 price, they were booked equally so with teams like the LA Clippers and the Utah Jazz, now the Golden State Warriors, moving ahead of them in the futures market. The Phoenix Suns, also a team that is running it back, and they're at plus 1,300, tied with the Clippers right now for those odds in the Western Conference for next year's NBA championship. So those four teams, really, maybe five teams, if you add in the Golden State Warriors, when you have the Warriors, the Jazz, the Clippers, the Suns, and then the Nuggets are going to be so enticing to watch this upcoming year, trying to catch the Lakers in the Western Conference to be the West team to make it to the NBA championship. I mean, from a value perspective, I still think the Nuggets present that at 17-1 to right now in the FanDuel Sportsbook. 
There are two teams, Ben, that surprised me. The odds moved against them. First, the Hawks, 35 to 1 to 37 to 1. They signed Trey Young, five years, $207 million. They also just signed John Collins today to an extension. So, John Collins staying with this Hawks team. The second team that surprised me that the odds moved against them was the Suns. 12 to 1 moves back to 13 to 1. Chris Paul is returning to the Suns. He signed a four year, $120 million deal. Which of those two teams do you see the odds being wrong on that they shouldn't have moved against them? I probably would have kept the Suns right where it was, but I think as we see all the time in the futures market and something that I'm learning, when good things happen to other teams, it shortens their odds and makes the odds of the teams competing against them slightly longer. So I think with the Lakers getting better, with the Warriors getting better, with the Nuggets getting better, even though they haven't passed the Phoenix Suns, I think it makes a little bit of sense when you look at that from a public price on Phoenix to move from plus uh, 1,200 to plus 1,300. So that makes a little bit more sense to me. The Hawks... Listen, they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals this past year. They have a very good young core there in Atlanta. To get John Collins back is huge. I just don't know if they present enough of a challenge in a full NBA regular season to teams like the Nets, the Bucks, even the Heat right now to make those moves. I think when you see a team's odds getting longer, the Philadelphia 76ers is a very interesting case. From 16-1 to to 18-1 to right now on FanDuel. Philly not doing a whole lot in this free agency frenzy we have seen over the past two days in the NBA. And when I think when you see those odds get longer, it makes sense. Philadelphia needs to start doing something. Obviously, a lot of the focus this offseason is around Ben Simmons. Will there be a trade? We wait and see on Philly. We haven't spoken much about baseball. And speaking of Philly, we've got to talk to one of the biggest Philly faders and fans I've ever met, and that's mid-major Matt. Matt Joseph's going to join the show. He'll give us a look at his Major League Baseball card coming up next. You're listening here on Sirius XM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM Channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining the show, host of In Game Live here at Sports Grid, it is mid major Matt Matt Josephs. So we're going to talk Major League Baseball. Matt, go Syracuse. That's pretty much where we're going with today, Bayheim's Army. I would have worn all orange if I could have, but uh, unfortunately, I don't have any orange button down shirts. Uh, well, that's because it's just been some time now since you've had to represent, considering this is the winningest team with Bayheim's name on it since 2003. We'll go to Major League Baseball, though, and going, you know I'm right, going to Major League Baseball slate, strikeout props is what you've been crushing this season. Which strikeout prop trend is the most intriguing to you today? Well, of course, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates one. I mean, this is a team that everybody kind of looks at down. They look down upon because uh, it's the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they don't have a lot of name brand guys other than, you know, Brian Reynolds, I think people know now because he was an all-star. They had Adam Frazier. He's now in San Diego. But this team just doesn't strike out a ton. The trend that is currently going right now, 39 of the last 54 opposing starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less versus Pittsburgh. Yesterday got a little hairy. Uh, Hauser was looking really good, and he was stuck at four. 
Um, but then he, you know, managed to give up a hit, or uh, gave up some walks, and then he left with that four. Today you're looking at Freddie Peralta. Now it's a little tough because Freddie Peralta's gone over uh, that number two times. You see him three times. He had five strikeouts last time out, had seven strikeouts the other two outings. The other thing to consider here is Freddie Peralta's pitch count is something that I think Milwaukee is looking. Obviously, it looks like there's going to be a postseason in the future, and obviously he's pretty big in their plans. So they may, if this game gets out of hand, which it certainly could, they may take him out the, the like they've done the last two times. So Peralta's K-prop is going to be something that's fascinating to look at because it's at 6.5 at some places, 7.5 at FanDuel. Matt, I follow your K-prop trends like it's the Bible. So when I saw that latest trend about starting opposing pitchers facing the Pittsburgh Pirates, of course, the first thing I do is then look who is facing the Pittsburgh Pirates today. And you mentioned Freddie Peralta, but it's 7.5 on FanDuel. The under has tons of juice at minus 210. How important is the juice in how you go about in placing your K-prop wagers? Yeah, you can't. I mean, that's that's just too much. I don't like to go. Minus 150 is the highest I usually go. Occasionally, I'll go a little higher for something I really like. But, like, once it crosses minus 160, forget it. And it's not even like you could parlay K-props because there's just so much that, that comes about. You know, a pitcher could get hurt. An umpire could have an off day. You know, a pitcher could be really good when you expect them not to be. So, to me, there's a certain line, minus 150, minus 152 or 53 if I really like something. But anything above that, unfortunately, I kind of have have to let go don't parlay them they're too wildly inconsistent at times to consider doing something like that matt a huge series going on for the next few days is the houston astros at the los angeles dodgers it's the debut for dodgers starter max scherzer who's coming over from the nationals since the trade deadline starting pitchers against houston have had five strikeouts or more in just 41 of 107 games against the astros where are you going with the scherzer props tonight so, I mean, part of me says I want to look over because Scherzer's one of those guys who's really motivated for a situation like this. And, and, and we've seen the good pitchers go over five strikeouts against the Houston Astros. But part of me thinks he could almost be too juiced up with the atmosphere we saw last night. Look what happens when L.A. sports fans actually show up on time to sporting events. It's actually a really good atmosphere. Um, the worry here for me is that Scherzer's going to be too juiced up. I feel like in the first couple of innings, there's going to be a solo home run or two because it seems like Scherzer gives up those solo home runs. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe a Jordan Alvarez if he plays tonight. Maybe it's a, a Carlos Correa. But we may see a couple of strikeouts from Scherzer early. But I think we're also going to see some runs potentially early against him because he's prone to those solo homers. He's such a wild guy when it comes to this sort of thing. He should easily go over any sort of number. But the Astros don't strike out a ton, and he's also going to give up some runs early. I would actually look to play maybe like a home run prop against him and see if you could find whoever's going to be lucky enough to run into one of those fastballs and hit it out of the park. So Scherzer should be towards the top end of the market, as is Shohei Otani, who's on the bump tonight for the Angels. His K prop right now on FanDuel, 7.5, the over, plus 148, the under, minus 190. So I assume I know where this is going, Matt. But when you see Shohei Otani going up against the Texas Rangers, who have the fifth highest K rate against right-handed pitching since the All-Star break, is there any number that might entice you with a price to back it up? No, I, I actually stay far away from Otani because Otani is so wildly inconsistent when it comes to his strikeouts. You look all over the market. And I, this is why I've talked about it, is that I like to stay away from the top end of the market because the, the books overprice these guys because they know everybody's just going to blindly bet the over. Oh, Shohei Otani against the Rangers? Of course he's going to get seven, eight strikeouts. What else is he going to do? Because the Rangers lineup's not so good. You look so far this year, he's faced them for nine innings. He's had 16 strikeouts, but... 
On the road, he's got an ERA over five. And we know he's got the walk issue. So you certainly have to look at the umpire in this game. If it's a guy who calls a lot of walks, if it is a guy who has a tight strike zone, Otani could be in a little bit of trouble. Um, I just don't like to, to use a guy like Otani because I feel like everyone's going to blindly bet the over. The books know that. So they raise his number a, a strikeout or two. There's no interest in any sort of Otani problem. And certainly I'm not going to take the under. That would be just stupid because Texas, you know, they can strike out a ton. And if he's on, he could get 10 strikeouts easily. So he's a guy I just stay far away with completely. Mid-major Matt, Matt Joseph joining us. Last K-prop trend before we move into maybe some game, t- uh, some game odds. 45 of 54 starting pitchers have had five strikeouts or less at Coors Field. Today it's Alex, Alec Mills on the mound for the Chicago Cubs. How much are you targeting the Mills under? I mean, I'm going to go look at the Mills under. Uh, you look at the Mills has never pitched in Coors Field. He's gone under this number in four of his last seven outings. Now, some of those were relief appearances. Some of those were starts. He's one of these guys that they kind of mix and match between the bullpen and the starter. But I'm probably going to look at it. You know, the trends are the trends. And I'm not a huge trends guy. Like, I just, you know, I don't like these trends that go back to, oh, it was since 1996, so-and-so and so. Like, I don't do that sort of thing because, I, you know, 1996 doesn't affect 2021. But this is a trend that we've seen. Yesterday, Zach Davies just didn't have it. And the Colorado offense has been in good form at home. So to me, Alec Mills, barring some sort of like two and a half, three and a I'm half probably going to end up. Is three and a half too low? I, I don't think so. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm worried because Ryan McMahon's good for three strikeouts himself. And of course, the, the starting pitcher could certainly strike out once himself. But if the Rockies offense is on, then he may not last very long. So I think I'll play it because of the trend. It may not be my biggest bet of the day, but it's something I'll certainly have on my card. I was going to ask, Matt, what's the lowest under you've ever taken? But three and a half right there seems like a pretty good under to me. So I'll ask the reverse of that question. Are there any overs on strikeout props you like on today's Major League Baseball card? Yeah, I already locked in Josh Fleming's over. Um, Josh Fleming, it's um, you know it's a different number in different places. The Mariners have the second highest K rate versus lefties, the sixth highest since the All Star break, and the twelfth highest on the road. It's a getaway day in Tampa Bay, so we may see some starters sit for Seattle. And we know that sometimes the strikeouts are uh, the uh, strikeout zones are a little bit bigger for getaway days. Vic Carapaza, the home plate umpire, averaging around nineteen strikeouts in his games, and also Fleming had five strikeouts in Seattle, and he's not even a strong pitcher on the road. Um, he's coming off a seven strikeout effort at home against the Red Sox. I think Josh Fleming over his number is worth a look here, uh, especially since we are getting probably a good price on it. A guy that he'll probably go six innings if he's not touched up a lot. Now, we did like Michael Walker's over, and unfortunately that didn't work out. But I think Josh Fleming will get over his number. Matt, another game that I'm looking at, which I think is a good way to fade the public in a sense, is the Boston Red Sox and Detroit Tigers. The Tigers went outright yesterday, winning by a score of 4-2 to two over Boston. The Sox still favored, yet the line moved against them overnight by about 10 cents. How do you see the rest of this, do- uh, the rest of this Tigers and Red Sox series panning out? So here's the tough thing. We, we, we know that Mize is on an innings limit, but last time he was so good, he went seven innings. And now, granted, it was only 82 pitches. I still don't know if we're going to get Mize for more than three or four innings today. So it's really hard to handicap this game. If you are betting on the Tigers and you really like Casey Mize, it's got to be a five-inning bet because once you get past the fifth inning, if he only goes four, then you're seeing the usual suspects in the middle relief. And the Tigers' middle relief is not very good. The back end? really good with Soto and Cisnero and some of these other guys, but the middle relief guys are what concern me about Detroit. So if you like the Tigers today, you're playing them in the fifth, uh, first five. 
you like the Red Sox, you might be looking at a live bet here. Once Mize leaves, you kind of assess the situation. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez strikes out a lot of guys, but his ERA is really ugly. Tigers don't hit lefties very well. So this could be a classic case of a live bet on the Red Sox once Mize leaves and you see who these middle relievers are. Because I think Boston could do some damage in the fourth, fifth, and sixth innings before the seven, eight, nine guys come in. Matt, one of the most fascinating pitchers to me this year has been the Cincinnati Reds starter today, Luis Castillo. He had an 8.07 ERA in the month of May, but then in June was sub two, and in July was right around that two ERA as well. Have you found any profitability on Luis Castillo in the Reds? It used to be bet on a first run being scored. His first six or seven outings, there were runs scored in almost every outing. And now he's kind of tightened up a little bit. One of the trends involving Luis Castillo is he's not as good in the daytime. Three and seven with a 4.60 ERA and 11 starts. We know Cincinnati's a bit of a bandbox. This Charlie Barnes guy only went four and two-thirds innings against Detroit last time out. We know that the Reds' offense is very capable here. This could be an overgame. Uh, the weather, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of issues with the weather, wind blowing in, really cold, any of that sort of thing. My one concern is the Twins' offense doing their part, but if Castillo is off at even a little bit, they could give up some runs here. So I think this could be an over game early on. Might want to wait and see who the lineups are because, remember, this is an early game. There's a chance some people might sit at a day, day game after a night game. But if everybody's in the lineup, I might consider an over in this contest. You have the Eagles flag behind you. I alluded to this as I tossed a break in the last segment. You're one of the people that you, you're a Philly fan, yet you fade the Phillies and just any Philly team a bunch of times. In the Phillies game today against the Nationals, well, the Phillies actually have the worst win percentage off of a win this year. They've only been hitting at about 38% on the money line if they're coming off a win, as they are from last night's 5-4 win over the Nats. With this game today, how do you see it working out? Well, first off, if they ever post a Chase Anderson K-Prop, most likely I'm going to look at the under because he's a guy that is has not been stretched out. Pitched a couple innings last time out against the Pirates, but I can't see him going more than five, and he doesn't necessarily have a ton of strikeout stuff. So if a Chase Anderson prop shows up, uh, I, I may be looking at the under, especially if it's like a four and a half maybe. I don't think we'll be lucky enough to get one that high, um, but I'll be looking there. And then this is another game, and I've talked about this before. I'm going to try and get the run lines of both teams live in this game. Neither team has a bullpen you can trust. Neither team has a starting pitcher you can trust. So I could see somebody getting out to a 3 nothing lead, taking the other side's run line. Maybe it's 2.5. And, and then maybe this game gets a little bit tighter, or maybe the, uh, the lead flip switches. Let's say the Phillies are leading and then the Nationals take the lead. Um, I might look to take a Phillies run line and try and middle this thing perfectly. I've done it before. Uh, I did it uh, last week or two weeks ago when the Phillies were in uh, Yankee Stadium. I managed to get the both Phillies and the Yankees run lines live and both hit because it was a close game. I don't trust either bullpens. I don't trust either starters. I do trust their lineups. So I'm going to try and middle this thing and look for some live wagers in this contest to, to fade both bad bullpens. This line has moved. Matt, only about Philly. a minute left. Yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, Aaron, no, go ahead. I was going to say the line did move against Philly, minus 108 to minus 102. It opened with both teams at minus 108 and has gone significantly in Washington's favor. One minute, Ben, go. I was just going to say, Philly's plus 270 now to win the NL East. Only a game and a half back. Matt, anything there? I think there's more value with the Braves. I think the Braves lineup is so much better right now after all those trades they made. The pitching's going to get better. I don't trust the Phillies. Could be because I watch them every day and they drive me nuts. But I think there's actually more value with the Braves winning the division than the Phillies. Mid-Major Matt, Matt Joseph's catch him on in game live every weekend here on Sports Grid and every Wednesday morning here on the morning after. Good luck to your bets tonight. And I hope that the Washington Nationals get the win because I've already placed it for a money line bet. 
Sorry about your Phillies. Mm. Matt, see you next week. Thank you. Coming up next, Ben and I are going to close out hour number two here on the morning after. We've got a whole nother hour here. We're going to give out Major League Baseball picks that Ben and I like, in addition to being joined by some other great guests on the show. You're listening here on Sirius XM Channel 204. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. number two here on the morning after on sports grid you're listening on sirius xm channel 204 with ben stevens i'm ariel epstein let's get now to our segment buy or sell buy or sell time team usa is playing australia tonight 12 40 a.m here on the east coast team usa is laying 12 points ben are you buying or selling that the spread is correct on team usa I am buying this spread is correct, but here's an interesting note. Of course, in those two exhibition losses, the first to Nigeria and then the second to Australia, Team USA lost to the Boomers, as they are known. So you might be thinking to yourself, sure, this is the Olympic semifinals now in Tokyo, and sure, Team USA has looked a lot better in their last three contests, but should they be 12-point favorites over a team they lost to like three weeks ago? I think the number's fair. It's actually gone more in the favor of Team USA from where it opened at 11.5 to 12, and the total is now up to 180.5. Am I buying that Team USA is going to cover the 12-point spread, Ariel? I am. Team USA by 15 tonight over Australia to get to the gold medal game in Tokyo. Very specific. Team USA winning by 15. You've really thought this one through. I know you said that your best bet's going to come from this game, so I'm excited to hear what it is. We haven't spoken much about it, considering I haven't been able to play the eye test. I mean, I, I don't watch these games. It's so late at night. I would love to watch. I just have to be alive for this show. I'm not Kevin Walsh. Kevin Walsh is ridiculously talented that he can fall asleep at 4 a.m. and wake up at 6 and do a show, and he takes daytime naps. I don't like that. I got a lot to do in the day, and I can't sit up and watch. So I'll read the box score and the recap, so don't listen to me. But you could listen to Ben. Ben's going to tell you what he thinks is a good play for tonight's game for the men's basketball semifinals between Australia and Team USA. We do have to close out hour number two here, which means we say goodbye to our MSG audience. You can tune into sportsgrid.com. Find out which platform works best for you. We have a ton of streaming services that hour number three will be broadcasted on. We'll also be on SiriusXM, Channel 204, the Mightier 1090 on the West Coast. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We're going to break down college football, Major League Baseball, golf, all coming up next in hour number three here on the morning after on SportsGrid.